Mindset Podcast. We're your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. All right, what's up? How you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Gene? Cool. I checked the records. You were on this show like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Remote. Remote. I know it was, it was 2020. So. How crazy is that? Yeah, 2020. And Aaron, <laughs> it's 2022. It's not really, feels like it's not changed that much. I don't, sometimes I think like 2020, like I don't even know how to reference. I was having a conversation yesterday with somebody and I was like, was that? two years ago or three i don't remember yeah it's hard and then <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's definitely you know pre-2020 post yeah it's kind of nuts weird. it's kind of nuts well uh fiona thanks for coming on the show again in person how about that i know this is much more fun <laughs> yeah um i wanted to talk to you about all the stuff you do not work-wise all yeah. the all the actual fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> right um so so you just not just, I don't know when, maybe just, got back from from Scotland. Scotland. I didn't yeah. want to say it wrong. Tyree. Yeah. Ultramarathon. Mm -hmm. You're an ultramarathoner. How long have you been doing that? Um, uh, I guess I technically am an ultramarathoner because I've now done my first ultramarathon on the Isle of Tyree. I would claim it. Okay. <laughs> I usually just say I'm a triathlete. So I've been <laughs> oh, I got that wrong. I was so happy with getting you on here and then I got it wrong. <laughs> That's okay. So I've been doing, I actually was just thinking about this the other day. I did my first triathlon, um, 10 years ago, August 12th, yeah. 2012. Yeah. Wow. And so it's, I've been doing triathlon for 10 years and, um, I've done all the distances all the way from sprint all the way up to Ironman. I did my first full distance Ironman. What's last the year. difference between a sprint and an Ironman? So sprint distance is just the shortest distance triathlon you can have. And it's usually something like 500 meter swim, 12 to 16 mile bike, and then a 5k run at the end. Okay. Um, that's where I started. Some people are. Uh, glutton for punishment and start with the big long distance triathlon so you know an ironman is 2.4 mile swim 112 mile bike and then a marathon at the end i didn't do that i took so, 10 years before i did the full distance <laughs> ironman and i highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in triathlon to build up that way so the ironman is like the ultra marathon of the marathons yeah okay and, mm -hmm. and so so you just now only consider yourself an ultra marathoner <laughs> yeah because i did and, and what's but you've done an ironman i've done two ironmans now so yeah um so yeah and my dad was a marathoner and so um in my triathlon journey he just was only interested in the running aspect and okay. so he was always like well when are you gonna do a marathon when are you gonna do a marathon and i said i'll do a marathon uh, in an ironman and he's just like why <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i'm like that's just the way it is so i've never done a standalone marathon i've only it's ever done yeah i've only ever done 26.2 miles after a 112 mile bike and a 2.4 mile swim so wow. a nice like six hour warm-up before doing the 26.2 easy and then the tyree ultra marathon is 35 miles and an ultra marathon is any running distance over the standard 26.2 marathon and um i mean i didn't intend to be an ultra marathoner but <laughs> <laughs> accidental <laughs> i mean yeah it's um like uh so the isle of tyree is a tiny island off the west coast of scotland it's in the inner hebrides it's the furthest west you can go in the inner hebrides that's where you grew up though yeah or, yeah so it, when i grew up there in the 80s there was 800 people and now it's down to 650 people so oh, wow a really small island but i still have yeah. you know as social media is facebook like you have someone that you went to school with like 30 years ago <laughs> and well if there's only 600 people there i would imagine <laughs> yeah and so last year um mm. you know i someone that i went to school with back then tagged me because obviously he saw me doing all these like iron man and right. all that and was like right. you should come to tyree and do the ultra marathon and i was like okay like why not so <laughs> So that that is why I did the ultra marathon. I I can't say that I'm like out there seeking other ultra marathons, although maybe that will happen. Hmm. 
So that was sort of like a, a trip home as well as an ultramarathon thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I hadn't been back. Uh, so my my dad was Scottish and my mom's American. And so I was born here in Lexington Medical Center. And then um, my family moved over to the Isle of Tyree when I was like two. Mm. And we lived there from 84 to 1990. And then we moved back to South Carolina. But every summer up until I went to university in 2000, we ha still had the house there. So I spent all of That's my cool. summers over in Tyree. And so it's a really, you know, a really nice place with warm memories for me. Um, in 2000, I went back to Scotland and, and lived in Glasgow. I studied at University of Glasgow and stayed there for 10 years. And so I did go to the island a little bit, but not that often. But the last time I'd been back to Tyree was 2013. So it had been a really long time. And then, wow. like I said, I had someone tag me on Facebook and throw the challenge out there. Huh. And I just thought this would be a really good opportunity. My sister also was getting married in Ireland the following weekend. And so I was like, what if we do this <laughs> the weekend before and then we all fly to Ireland? Nice. Yeah. And so it was a really nice excuse to get like me and my sister and my mom. And then my sister and I brought our husbands right. to kind of show them That's what cool. it is. Because Tyree is like a, just a super unique place that you can show photos of but until you go there it's not it's hard to like understand it it's just a different pace of life so got you mm -hmm. well 600 people that's it's not very many people no <laughs> i think there's more sheep and cows okay to be honest <laughs> well the, the the imagery looks beautiful um so you ran around the rim mm -hmm. you call it a rim i i guess Beach, the i don't outside know. of yeah, the island yeah, yeah the outside of the island so yeah. the race went around it so which is super cool as well. Was it just long enough to be an ultra marathon to yeah. be that that thirty something miles? Yeah, exactly. So I it is advertised as thirty five. My watch read thirty four, but okay. my coach was like, "Oh, the GPS, we're Claim calling it, it thirty five. Yeah, right, exactly. So um, it's just it was a really cool way mm -hmm. to explore the island because it is a small island. Clearly, if you can do the entire circumference and it's only thirty five miles, um, and it was over beach and rocks and some on the road and then a fair bit of hiking on the back end um and it was places i'd never been to on the island you know it's a small island but it was fun to explore places that even in the many many years that we were there that i would never have gone to sure I was doing oh that. wow mm -hmm. wow so even though so there were places you've never been to that's your that's pretty cool yeah because you know my dad would take us out being a small island there's not like a ton of stuff to do and so our summers were spent like if it's sunny you're out and so we would ride our bikes around and right. walk through the fields and like play in the streams or on the beach but um one part in particular on the backside of ben heinish ben heinish is like one of the it's not a mountain it's a big hill mm. um was like R real hiking and so my dad never took us over to that side oh. i don't think he would know how to get over there i mean <laughs> i was lucky when we got to that bit that there were other people around me because i didn't see all the signs it wasn't oh, wow. more it's not a trail huh. it's just like navigate yeah. <laughs> and so i was very happy that there was a huh. a woman in front of me who's like there's a sign and i'm like thank okay. god i don't know where we are <laughs> so yeah wow all right so let's back it up some more then you got into this because of your father so is this something you did when you were younger when he was doing it or is this something he did later and you did later in terms of marathoning triathlons marathonings like just going behind him or were you um, in front of him like how did that work no so my dad um my dad was an older father so he was 47 when i was born so previous to being married and having a family he was in the U.S. Air Force and the RAF, but he was also an alcoholic and a heavy smoker. Okay. And so he got sober in his late 20s, I think. I think he managed to get 50 or 60 years sobriety in the end and stopped smoking. And so he started jogging for fitness because okay. that's, you know, you change you your life it's free. and it's yeah. what happens. Um, so growing up, I watched my dad running all the time and doing 10Ks and marathons. He did like you know, the New York marathon before there was a lottery oh, wow. and the Boston marathon before there was a lottery wow, yeah, yeah. and the London marathon and Glasgow and stuff. So that's legit. he did those. Yeah. Although I always have to say before the lottery, because you could just sign well. up and do it. <laughs> I don't think I would get into like Boston these days, but, um, uh, so my, and so growing up, I played sports. I really liked soccer. Um, 
and then I went to university and there wasn't uh, a lot of opportunity as a woman to be athletic. Mm. And so I did the heavy drinking and the drugs and all that sort of stuff. And then I got to my late twenties. I was like, I need to like calm this down <laughs> <laughs> and started running myself. Like it worked for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I started running myself cause it's, again, it's free. You just get the shoes and you yep. go out the door. But yep. I, I tended to get a lot of injuries just because we mm. live a sedentary life right, right? and right. so you go out and you just run and your legs are all wobbly yeah it's not a good idea and you get yeah. the it band issues right. and yep. I, so i had all of that um my brother had gotten into cycling and so i was like well my dad's into running my brother's into cycling i really like to swim so i'll just do a triathlon <laughs> and it's because it's a swim bike run <clears throat> and that helped me because it's cross training. And right. so I didn't have all the sort of IT band issues and mm. that sort of thing. So my dad always used to say, well, I didn't tell my kids to get into running, but here they are. So he didn't <laughs> push us. But at the same time, sure. clearly he was an influence to see an adult being athletic. I think I um, struggle with that in my community where there's such a push for kids to be athletic during school and high school. And then unless you gone. Yeah, unless you're a college athlete, it's like nothing. And yeah. so, you know, yeah. in my county, I'm just like, you know, when I'm talking about like, uh, you know, I want to be able to go for a run and all you providing is like 0.4 mile walking tracks. Like right. you're not serving, right. you're not serving the adult yeah. community. Like right. why is it so strange to think that an adult would right. want to continue to be physically fit? Like right. it is weird. They don't even allow in Kershaw County yet calling them out. <laughs> they don't allow the public to use the high school tracks, even though. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's borderline like that here in the city mm -hmm. where it's like, there's some you can just do and no one will bother you, but I'm pretty sure we're not supposed to be there. But I mean, that's crazy. It's, like, it's, what? it's, it's a track. It's a track. It's a public track. It's like, you know, paid for by yeah, our taxes. I paid those taxes. Yeah. For sure. But it's like, why as an adult yeah. would you want to be here unless you're trying to like be nefarious? Yeah, I'm just trying something. to run around in a circle. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I can't run on the road because I'm going to get run over. That's right. Y'all say I'm silly for <laughs> running on the road. I mean, yeah, the yeah. spaces for being physically fit in public mm -hmm. uh, in this part of the world are abysmal. Mm -hmm. There is. It is for sure. You, well, you're part of, um, or not say part of, I mean, you're like the only voice I hear. Like in the that whole area, Kershaw, Florence area, Camden area. I mean, mm -hmm. like the zit, you know. I mean, what what have you encountered so far? I mean, there are. Um, I mean, I see you all the time on Facebook, just like pointing out so and so got hit by a car, or this was terrible, like whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I got really into like advocacy for pedestrian and cyclist rights um, starting in 2018. Uh, Kershaw County is mostly a rural county the main town is camden but um it's also very close to columbia like i live in yeah, lugoff which is 30 just, minutes away yeah it's yeah. just 30 minutes away and so our county is experiencing like rapid residential development and so there's just a ton more people in our county mm. uh with more people on the road so whereas i moved back to kershaw county in 2012 i could used to be able to go out and run and ride and not really have issues with cars because it just wasn't a lot of people in cars in 2018 i had my first death threat by a lovely older couple coming from church who um came up behind me blasting their horn <laughs> and almost hit me with their wing mirror oh but then they got stuck at the stoplight and so i rolled up on them and said like you know roll down your window and they're like no and i was like you could have killed me could have been and they're like get off the road you're not supposed to be on the road and then it was like going nowhere and i was finally like do you want to kill me right and they were like yes <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, just, it was you know just gobsmacking yeah. that yeah the the anger and the entitlement of people in cars to think right. that the road is only for people in cars yeah. and i mean that's not just an individual issue the way our roads are built are only um with cars in mind and people in cars right. again the only public spaces we have though are the roads because they're not building parks or common right. areas or walking or walking trails longer than a mile kershaw county like especially yeah especially in the rural <laughs> rural areas it's like exactly there's no options and that's intentional but um because we could do better so yeah i started you know i got video cameras for me and my husband on our bike because mm. another issue is like 
especially being a woman, people don't want to listen to you. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, I'm going to show you what I'm going through. I took it to right. the sheriff's office and he listened, but he's also like, well, that's the way our roads are built and there's not much we can do. Do you want me to have a deputy ride with you every time you ride your bike? I'm well, like, that's, that's ridiculous. Not yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that's not the point, brother. <laughs> exactly. I'm yeah. like, I'm showing you these videos. Is there anything you can do? I have license plates and everything. Yeah, can we? Yeah. And they, and he made an effort. He did knock on some people's doors, but I think he's not done much since then. So mm -hmm. then I started at the county level, like, why is this so bad? Where is the funding to, like, improve our roads? If you're right. going to repave a road, why can't we consider why doing not? a sidewalk or a bike lane or something or putting yeah. crosswalks or slowing yeah. this road down? Yeah, we're in the woods. I mean. <laughs> um, and the amount of excuses that you receive mm. is incredible. Mm -hmm. So... It's all passing the book, basically. Yeah. Like, oh, we don't have the money. There's funding there. Why don't you apply for this? Or well, we don't have anyone's going to do that. You know, saying to me, I had a I had a former SCDOT guy who is a consultant for some reason on our county transportation committee say to me, well, why don't you apply for the alternative transportation funding through SCDOT? And I'm like, I'm a private citizen. What? Why isn't the county applying for yeah. that? Like that's, I can't apply for SCDOT funds. Yeah. You know? I'm not the county. Exactly. But they, <laughs> they have all these excuses. Um, and then finally I presented all of that to our county council in, I guess it was 2021. And then they put me on the planning commission. <laughs> so <laughs> and You can't say no. You have to uh, yeah, well, I mean, I really was just like, you know, yeah. before I say yes to this, this is a is this a rubber stamping committee? I'm right. not going to sit here and just like right. pass and, everything yeah. through. Like, I'm going to come in here with everything right. I've been advocating about. Right. And they're like, yeah, no, it's, you've got power and you can change hearts and minds. And I'm a year and a half in and, and yeah, I'm mm. trying, but I don't know if I've changed any hearts mm. and minds besides, you know, I don't know. I guess I, someone has to be there making people question the status quo. Yeah. Um, You're like, I just want to ride my bike on the road. I also just, we <laughs> need to create a future where, pe I mean, the requirement that you have to have a car to be right. a member of society is ridiculous. It is. And, yep. you know, as we have this suburban sprawl and it's getting more expensive for people to live in the metro areas like mm -hmm. Columbia, they come out to the cheaper areas like Kershaw County mm -hmm. and they might not have reliable transportation. I see more and more people on bikes and walking to go to the grocery store and get to their job. Yep. And, you know, we're supposed to be that pull yourself up by your bootstraps country. And yet we make it <laughs> as long so, as you have a car. exactly. We make it so <laughs> incredibly difficult yeah. to do that for the yeah. people who need to pull themselves. There's a up. lot of long running, long standing issues there though. You know, it's not just about riding a bike. There's like, it's, it's, racial issues it's you know yeah you know i would say it's just the way it is in the south but all those things combined i mean there's some there's some long history that you oh. have to fight through oh absolutely i mean like the majority of uh pedestrians and people on bikes who are killed are overwhelmingly right. african-american right. or indigenous period mm -hmm. and it's like an economic thing that they're economically oh, yeah. disadvantaged and don't have the car it's also the fact that people may see them not as people. I mean, oh, sure. it's yep. horrendous. Yep. Um, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be that way if we could actually plan it properly and think outside of what we're used to doing instead of just like well, plowing another road. I've, I've ridden a bike once um, around where I live in West Columbia. Mm -hmm. Like literally once. I took it out for like a 20-mile thing and I was heckled twice. Yeah. And I was like, screw this like i'm not uh, do i'm not doing this you know mm -hmm. like literally a guy threw something at me and then on the other side of town they're like you know they're like calling me names and stuff it's horrible like what yeah and you know my dad was riding a bike on the sidewalk like I, I i get it i mean i can only imagine what it's like in you know kershaw county or yeah i mean my dad has those stories of him running in the 90s in camden and having someone throw like a soft drink cup at like, him what, it's like what is the aggression what is and that? the anger I what think, do you think that is i personally think it's deep down people are very unhappy with their mm. lot in life uh like maybe i'm in front of someone who's trying to get to work and they're late and they're pissed off and mm. they see me not doing something productive and they take the anger out on me it's mm. a reflection of whatever they're feeling at the time because i also say in kershaw county like 
how how come these drivers don't know how to go by a pedestrian or a cyclist safely, right. but they know right. how to drive around a tractor yeah. or yeah. the garbage yeah, truck for real. For or real. the post truck. Right. Like those those people are not right. experiencing the anger, the level of anger that I receive as a person walking or a person right. riding a bike. And it's the perception that we're doing something not productive or you know recreational or something along those lines hmm. we you know uh in the my gym we we see this with people um with, with you know new members or whatever and they're trying to trying to work on their diet right uh and so they'll they'll start doing things that people do when they start trying to change their life you know they'll they'll like i'm only eating this maybe this time of day or whatever and their family will see them and their family will get mad at them and like, what are you too good to eat our dinner? Are you, what you, you can't, you can't do this with us. Like, what's your problem? Like, we'll see that. Mm -hmm. And then also like, if, if you're a, like a smoker or you're, you know, you do tobacco, some other kind of, you try to quit like the, like I've heard stories. I've never done that myself, but I've heard stories from people who are trying to quit of the amount of people that are like, Oh, come on. You know, you want this or just like messing with you. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. It's it's really weird, isn't it? Is it like, what is that? It's an insecurity. It's definitely like, yeah, it's the it's like it's weird to say like it has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with them. You're just the thing that gets stuff thrown at. Yeah. Isn't that it, weird? I, it, it is. But I mean, it's the reality. It's yeah. like it's nothing. It is nothing to do with me. Like, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it doesn't make it nice. I don't like people no, telling me they're going to like run me over. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. like that's not I don't need <laughs> that negative energy, you know, or, you know, kill my dog or whatever. But um, it is so insane. my my husband used, says to me sometimes like everyone's a dump truck and they're just like throwing their trash out. And so if you're receiving into that is their trash that they're throwing out at you. Um, and I don't want your trash. I, exactly. I don't want it. I just want to bounce <laughs> what, what it back. To, what do I have to clean your shit up? We all just need to like go to therapy. We need a massive therapy yeah, session. I'll start a podcast. <laughs> some therapy. Um, wow. So how's it, I mean, where do you stand with all that now? All that fight and uh, you're just saying you're on the, what, what what board was that? The planning committee, County committee. Planning yeah. Commission. So, uh, the things that come across our desk are like site plans for large residential developments, and then rezoning mm -hmm. requests. And so, um, it is. I've slowly trying to change the way the planning commission reviews or asks things of developers. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the planning commission have been in their roles for five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. So they're really ingrained in just doing things the way they've done. Um, right. my, I remember my first meeting I went to was a site plan to build like 140 townhomes in downtown Lugoff. And I said, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with this. It's infill housing and it's right. high density. So, you know, less land is used to house more people. But, you know, these houses are going to be within a quarter mile of the post office and the bank and the restaurants and the food and the groceries. So, you know, how do we make these people be able to walk across right. the street? We connect them. And the chairman was like, we don't have anything to do with that. And I was like, but you have everything to do with it. Yeah. And then the planning director was like, no, these are the conversations we need to have. Yeah. But I still didn't get anywhere because. Mm. It was like the ingrained habits of this planning commission was like, we are only looking at things in this square and not looking at anything else that's going on. Oh, so I'm still pushing and working on that and bringing the same points up. Um, mm. Small successes. Um, our ordinances, we have to change our ordinances. Anyway, give me an example. Our current Kershaw County ordinances require sidewalks only on one side of the street within Mm -hmm. a housing development and i'm just like that makes no sense why don't you have it on both sides of the street yeah, people really. people will be like but what about the impermeable surfaces i'm like please stop you live in the country <laughs> stop like, <laughs> you live a in the sidewalk is gonna like flood this place can we just talk about parking minimums like <laughs> you live in the what, country yeah. what are you talking right. about if you're worried about impermeable surfaces and we need to like not build yeah. any of this you know you're just you just yeah so um uh, I did manage to push Mongo Homes to mm. put in sidewalks on both sides of their street and painted crosswalks and a pedestrian pathway that cut mm. through these horribly designed neighborhoods where if you were going to walk from the far end of the neighborhood to the swimming pool that you would have to walk some ungodly distance when if you just walk through the middle of the houses, right. you would get right. there directly, right. right? That's the idea of thinking about 
people moving themselves, not just yeah. in automobiles, right? And so we managed to get all of that because huh. in reality, in the grand cost of these developments, that's very little. It's the bare minimum we yeah, can ask. You're just flattening everything anyway and building. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a small win. The real win would have been to like block it because I don't think we need to have that style of development. But um, I don't know, just chipping away. I did, <laughs> yeah, I did. Now I'm trying to like see in a harm reduction manner if we can get like impact fees put in. So an impact fee is, you know, if a developer's coming to our our county and they're building 200 houses or 400 houses, which are site plans that we've had on our desk, like yeah. 490 wow. houses. It's a big neighborhood. Right? That they have to pay impact fees to offset the cost that the county is taking on to increase service to that many people. So mm -hmm. that many people are going to affect the level of service on our roads right, is going to affect right. the school system, which um, it will. You know, parents are already complaining. Will. Yeah, parents yep. already complain in Lugoff Elgin High School that there's at lunch the kids have to sit on the floor because right. they don't have enough tables and chairs. Right. Um, it's going to affect the emergency services, and right now the developers don't pay anything towards mm -hmm. that. So I'm gonna I have to mm -hmm. present to the county council next month as a harm reduction manner that they would consider starting to put impact fees in, because if right. we're going to let these developers come in and well, build at that size, they need to take on some of the liability well, that yeah. they're bringing to the area. Right. Hmm. It's not a win. It's not perfect because what they're not carrying. And I'm, I'm sorry, this is becoming a planning commission thing, but <laughs> it's on my mind. The suburban development model that they're not planning for is that, these developers come in and build the infrastructure and that's the roads and the sewers and the yeah. lights and all that, that all deteriorates and the county picks up the maintenance costs in about 20 to 25 years and tax revenue never ever no, covers not, the right. cost of the maintenance. Right. And so Kershaw County has not yet fallen into that suburban development hole. Mm. Other places have and mm. yet we're still now where these developers are coming in and they're just, I'm like, look at these other places, municipalities all over the country who are broke, broke, yeah, in debt. You're not going to be able to support that many people. So why are we, why yeah. are we building in this way? Well, right, and then not to mention, I mean, that it impacts what you're talking about. You know, using the area for whatever you want that's not in a car. They're not upgrading the roads. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not building any infrastructure. They're just building the buildings on top of the land. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they do that here in Lexington. You know, yes. there's certain parts of like the local area here i mean you you can't certain times of the day just don't go there yeah yeah and i, I actually mean, try to use lexington county as an example yeah. in kershaw yeah. county i'm like do you want us to become lexington yeah. county because it's even like that in the low country like mm -hmm. my, my family lives down there it's even worse down there mm -hmm. i mean you know you're talking like a 400 home development they have like 1400 home development you know oh. it's like ridiculous on yeah. top of like swampland that's a different thing but yeah i mean we have a <laughs> bit of that we have Lugoff Elgin is like the home of yeah. earthquakes right yeah, now. Right. So we have yeah. our own stuff going on <laughs> and like chemical spills and like, yeah. you know, gold mine pollution. I mean, right. yeah. All in all, Kershaw County is like on that brink. We have so much potential. Yeah. But that, that urge of development is just like trying to get us in there. And it, it seems like, you know, it's great. Right. Mm -hmm. I imagine if you're, your leadership in that county, it, it it seems really good. It feels good. You know, oh, they're building a bunch of stuff here. Like it's good activity, but not necessarily. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The thing is, listening to my neighbors and mm -hmm. you know, seeing what's said on Facebook, I have yet to come across a Kershaw County citizen who is excited about mm -hmm. this. Everyone is like, the schools are crowded, our yeah. roads are a mess, yep. blah, blah blah. So yeah, in terms of like who's excited about this, yeah. besides the Not developer, me. I don't know. And I mean, I guess the I don't know if the planning department, like the staff, have goals as to how much development they bring in. You know. They, I'm sure they do. They probably do. Yeah, the way these things are, yeah. you know, whatever your KPIs are, are certainly towards like increasing tax revenue, which means yep. putting more people in the tax county. base. People. Yeah. yeah, but like I said, we're not taking into account that the tax base never covers the cost of maintenance on this infrastructure. Right. So right. Well, do they know who they're dealing with? <laughs> well, I well I said. <laughs> do the they point know that they're dealing with a triathlete, <laughs> ultra marathoner, that doesn't know how to quit? 
I mean, I've had to tell them that. I mean, it's at the point when I meet people in the county now and the, and I say, you know, my name's Fiona Martin. And they're like, oh, I've heard of you. Yeah, I'm right. Like, okay, yeah, I'm sure you have, you know. Um, and the triathlon thing is like, uh, I mean, it's funny the amount, the silly, stupid things that men have said to me about my triathlon training. Mm -hmm. I've had someone say, you should do all of your training inside. What? Yeah. Let's let's unpack that. <laughs> That's another reason why I wanted to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty vocal about that stuff too. Um yeah. what what why would they tell you to train inside? So this, because they because we don't want to look at you? <laughs> no. I mean, what is what is the deal? I think it is and this is from a man who's done an Ironman, so it's not mm -hmm. someone who's not done one and he said I did all my training inside and I mean, mm. side note, I did have to look up his times and my times were faster than his. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm not taking his advice. I tried to tell him very kindly. I don't think my coaches would be okay with that. If I had to put myself in his shoes in that sort of mentality, it is the triathlete who is doing the distance for ego to say, mm. I'm an Iron Man or say, and there's plenty. They tend to be men. Yes, yes. I know, like I said, I started triathlon at the shortest distance. It was like, this is a challenge. I'm going to do it. And I worked my way yeah. up to Ironman. Right. The ego triathlete is the one who says, I'm going to do triathlon and I'm going to do the longest triathlon I can do. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I, I know them. Um, and so you're telling me that there are athletes that have a big ego. Yeah. You, know, right. You expect me to believe that. I don't, I don't okay. Know. Just making sure. Um, so, if you're coming from an ego standpoint where your goal is to like cross that finish line so you can then say, I've done this, then maybe mm -hmm. training indoors makes sense to you because you're just trying to get across that mm -hmm. finish line. For me, I'm really like triathlon is a lifestyle. It is, it gives me the vehicle to get outside to, for example, yeah. in my training yesterday, my coach said, go do a happy swim. So my happy swim was, to go down to the local lake, put my wetsuit on and swim in that lake. Cool. You know? Right. And maybe I shouldn't need to have like triathlon as an excuse to experience nature like that, but what like it, it kind of keeps right. me out there. So swimming in the lake mm -hmm. and, and the, that's what's great about ultra marathoning is usually it's not that on the road. It's like you're in the woods or in the mountains right. or on the beach that or would whatever. Be cool. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's a lifestyle of being outside of moving my body. It is it's not, cool. The idea of doing all my training inside is like soul crushing. Yeah. I mean, to put you on like what, 60 miles on a fixed bike, that would be pretty gross. Yeah. And I mean, I run on a treadmill for I know, right? 10 miles. I mean, what the hell? And there's people who do it. Yeah. And, I, and I also, I feel for people who are just getting into fitness and trying to make a change in their life. Cause I think a lot of times their first place to do that is at the gym. Mm -hmm. And as someone who's physically active, like the gym is my last result <laughs> resort. Right. Right? Right, right. I really right. hate going to the gym. <laughs> it's right. like a horrible, not a horrible place, but I don't want to do 10 right. miles in the treadmill. Yeah, I no. don't want to go and I need to do strength work as well. Right. And yeah. I don't like the going into the weight room with the men <laughs> yeah, and right. like having to deal with the grunt and the right. mirror stuff right. just for me to get my like 10 pound weight yeah. you know yeah 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 um so it's sad it misses a point when someone says you should just do all of your training inside mm. it's not the life i want to live mm. what else have you heard um that i should ride my bike with a rifle strapped to my back what if i don't hell? want to be harassed really yeah so yeah. that's like you know, again, well, that's just impractical. Yeah, it is impractical. It's also like you carry a pistol. <laughs> the exactly. I'm thinking of like if I had like a dummy pistol, so it looks <laughs> like it a, so it looked like I had it. I really don't want to like have, have an actual a live yeah. arm, and I've never <laughs> yeah, right. even. I don't want to do that. But maybe if I had something that looked like that, it's a giant machete. Maybe. Oh God! It's it, again. It's like that. It's almost victim blaming in a sense. It's got that feel to it. It's got that. You know, I just want to say yeah. the perpetrator of the violence is the other person. Yes. Why am I responsible for counteracting their violence? Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? I could see that. Yeah. yeah. It's the same as when people are like, oh, well, these cyclists need to wear bright clothes and, and the, you know, people need to cross the street, the crosswalk. It's like, just don't kill people. Can <laughs> we try that? You're not wrong. <laughs> yes. Wow. Wearing a rifle. That's interesting. So, I mean, what's the harassment level like for you? I mean, we've talked about being just kind of things thrown at you or whatever, but that, that seems like it's kind of equal opportunity. 
yeah, harassment. I, 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 mean, I haven't had things thrown at me, I will say. I'm oh, okay on that. I just usually get like... So I've got one up on you. Yeah, then. I've okay. never... I don't remember having anything thrown at me. Cool. I, I've had the old couple tell me they want to kill me. Yeah. I had a guy who who i caught at a gas station who'd like been aggressive with me and i was like what what are you doing and he's like next time i see you i'm gonna run you over <laughs> and i'm just like okay i was like Jesus. then you're going to jail buddy yeah. you know um it's murder mm -hmm. um people yelling stuff out the window mm. and then it and it comes and goes in the season it's interesting because I do ride outside less during the winter just because it's cold, oh, yeah, right? It's colder. And then so when you start going back out in March and April, like it's clear the drivers are not used to seeing a cyclist. And so they get a bit like, <laughs> kind of like, and I mean, silly stuff like, you know, I was riding once in the, in a van passed me and gave me all the room in the world. You know, there was no one coming. They got in the other lane. Yeah. And so no big deal. And then the driver just sticks his hand out the window and gives me the finger. I'm like, what is <laughs> like, why? Like, I literally didn't, I didn't hold wow. you up. I, I, I'm just a person. You pass me. Yeah, you're being cool. And then you're just like, you know, F you. So. so weird. I did do a campaign last year called slow down, give room, because I think there's a few reasons why pedestrians and people on bikes are passed unsafely and one of them is that anger issue that like truly truly unhappy person some of it is really someone doesn't know what to do mm. like they come up on a cyclist or pedestrian and it freaks them out mm. and so if it freaks them out what you what i think you should do in the car is maybe tap the brakes and figure out the situation before moving forward it's usually what some people speed up yeah i've seen that <laughs> you I've they're like oh my god there's a car coming and mm -hmm. there's a cyclist and so i'm going to go as fast as i can and get around mm -hmm. this cyclist mm -hmm. and so what i wanted people to understand is like if you see it just slow down and then give room right. when it's safe to do so the same way you would with a tractor you're not going to like speed up to go around the tractor yeah, you we somehow it have out. that figured out and so i did like a, a sort of like yard sign campaign to put that message out at like major areas in kershaw county mm -hmm. and anecdotally i had people tell me that it made the situation better okay so i think there's a room there's certainly room for driver education and south carolina does a really poor job of educating its drivers on how to drive around <laughs> different things yeah so um one of my friends who's an activist in this area actually reached out to South Carolina Department of Public Safety and managed to get them to update some information on their website in regards to um, how to drive safely around pedestrians and cyclists. Although, unfortunately, the mentality is they still focus on how pedestrians and cyclists should prevent themselves from being hit, which is wearing bright clothes. Well, yeah. Instead of the reality of like... <laughs> You know, the person driving the 4,000 pound truck. I will tell you, having a having a child that turned driving age during COVID, they were literally talking about doing away with the uh, the ride along test. Okay. <laughs> Which was like, well, that's such a bad idea. And ultimately, you know, they all decided it's a very bad idea. We we do need to have, you know, 16 year olds make sure they can drive. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would say, generally speaking, it's a very bad job. Yeah. Like across the board. Yeah. South Carolina <laughs> drivers are bad. <laughs> like bicyclists are like, there's so much more work to be done. Like mm -hmm. ahead of that, it's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. And I, I got to think that's not just South Carolina. I mean, that's probably... I would say easily the entire South. Yeah. I think different states have different issues. So Probably like right. in South Carolina, I think a bad driving issues is being never using your blinker. Yeah. Uh, cruising in the left lane instead of passing. Well, they passed that law. Oh, it's worked so well. <laughs> not gonna you know, like, you know, all of our police officers are busy, like being SROs mm -hmm. in our schools mm -hmm. and they don't do any traffic stops anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, the, yeah, passing the law made a big difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, you know, it, it, it has made a little bit difference, but you know, there's still people who cruise in the left lane, yeah. like, you know, cause whatever. So that's a South Carolina issue. But when I lived in Massachusetts, they have different issues and their issues are if you don't, if you're car is not rolling within 0.1 second of that light going green then you're going to get honked at it is like aggressive we have some transplants that are <laughs> they're there. bringing that i don't know if you've experienced that one no and and me being a, a tried and true southerner i get instantly angry <laughs> but I, I learned to control myself and then they also have this really bad habit in massachusetts of like 
trying to wave someone in front of them who needs to turn left. So if you're stopped, I know that one drives me crazy. And they and they wave. So like I never, <laughs> Just, I never pulled out in front of someone to, like that in Massachusetts. I know someone in Massachusetts who was t-boned because someone was like, "Yeah, go ahead." Right. You're like, there's another they, lane behind there's you. There's another bro. lane. There's yeah. more cars. Yeah. But like it. I just remember Massachusetts one time. This guy's like, "Go ahead." I'm like, "No, go." No. If you had gone, I could have gone behind and get you. Mad at you. And then they're like, "Fuck, Fuck you. you!" And I'm just go. like, <laughs> "So Massachusetts has its own." You didn't issues. accept me being nice. <sighs> you go to hell. Like I didn't request that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. I think. Um, so yeah. So if if you're this type of athlete, right? You're you're a type of person that does triathlons. I mean, you're you're a lot of people think it's just the event mm. right they they see the the crazy you know run bike swim they see the ultra marathon distance but it's really it's really in the training mm-hmm. right that's where all the it's where all the growth and the effort and all the work goes into it um but the type of person to do that to put that effort in there you're the type of person that you seek perfection right you you, you incrementally work to make things better I mean, you're definitely not a quitter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, those are important um, qualities that go into, you know, like a lot of the stuff that we do this whole show for, right? That's the whole point. Um, those other things, when you see people out in the world that just aren't doing those things, how does that make you feel? <laughs> I mean... It's frustrating, right? It can be. I will just say that, like, I can't expand too much energy on what other people are doing, yeah. right? Um, I think with, I think with sort of like endurance stuff and I'm sure strength, uh, events as well. It's, it's about consistency. Like, um, you know, as a, as a person before having a coach, you think like, oh, I've got to run 26.2 miles. I need to work up to that in training. So you might start with five and then you do 10 and whatever. And that's like a, a great way to get injured. Um, and I tell runners who I see doing that when they get that, that perfectionist aspect Mm -hmm. of like, I'm watching a couple of friends who are training for the Marine Corps marathon and they've clearly bought like a training plan. And, you know, one of them said like, I only managed 18 miles a day, even though 20 was on the, on the list. And I was like, look, like, it doesn't matter this time on the road. Uh, and then another big thing that people don't realize is like, I never run 26.2 miles in training. Like, yeah, that seems like only, a bad idea. The only time, right. I mean, the longest before my first Ironman, which was last year, the longest I'd ever run was 16 miles. Hmm. And so the first time I ever went beyond that was seven hours, seven or eight hours into this long distance event. Right. Like you don't need to do the distance in order to do that. You just need to be consistent with doing right. it. And so what's the mean, whole idea of the, the race, the event. That's mm-hmm. the thing that you're striving for. Yeah. Why would you, why would you do that in training three or four times before you get there? It's so it's like, I think it's just like a human thing to like, you don't have confidence unless you do it. And you have to like learn right. to have confidence in your body that you right. can do other things. And yeah, the furthest I ever ran for my ultra marathon, I just did Ironman training and then did the ultra marathon because I told myself, well, you know, I do events on a, multiple times a year that take between anywhere between five hours and 13 hours, 35 miles should take me anywhere between six and eight hours. So right. I, I, it's going to hurt, I've, but I've I, done this I, much time. I can do yeah. it. I know my legs will keep moving. Right. You know, like that's another thing is like, it doesn't feel good to do those distances. No. Like your legs be like, what are you doing? And you yeah. get to a point where yeah. walking and running, neither feels good. Right. But you're like, I'm just going to keep, keep going moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, always my feet. My feet always kill me the most. I didn't have that. I had real, I had pain behind my knees mm. for the ultra marathon. I don't know what that was about. I don't know. I think it was sinking in the sand, like maybe Oof, my heel going lower beach. than my oh, toes. That's yeah. That's so it felt like I'd like overextended backwards sure. my knee. Yeah, you your know? toes. And, yeah. It's <laughs> rough. What's the, um, what's some of the craziest stuff you've done? I mean, you, you sound like you have smart training, but I'm sure you've done some silly things. In training or yeah, just a yeah, race? Yeah. Oh God. Um, so during COVID, obviously all the during 2020, they kind of canceled a bunch of the races. Mm-hmm. And so it's really hard for me to train if I don't have a race to train for. Gotcha. Because like, why would you otherwise? It's even <laughs> sometimes it's even hard for me to train when I have a race to train. So you're for. not the type of person that would just do it anyway. 
you you need that goal i need yeah exactly the, the thing i need the thing yeah so okay. like I, when i first started getting fit it, like in my late 20s early 30s and i was doing the gym thing like at some point i was like oh, this is what am i working towards mm -hmm. you know i'm not i don't want to be a fitness model that doesn't interest me so like mm -hmm. this gym stuff just kind of lost thing <laughs> that's why i was like i'm gonna start running because i can do 5ks and right. 10ks like i want something to work towards um but our coaches did during 2020 like give us some challenges so that we could kind of keep up and okay. so i did do like a self-supported 70.3 in my town where i swam in the lake and rode my bike and then ran around for a little bit um i don't know i That's mean cool crazy stuff really certainly happens on race day last year i did 70.3 world championships in st george utah and during that we had insane weather just blow through like it felt like a hurricane oh wow <laughs> it was like my everlasting memory of that is the wind coming across the desert and looking at the women in front of me and we were all sideways on our bikes leaning into that wind to wow. try and stay on it on the bike and it was just like that's cool so wet that's very it was cool just insane and you're just like in survival mode at that point why am i here mode no, I mean, no? it's survival mode, okay. which I actually kind of like. I think that's why I'm an endurance junkie. Like, I like to get to that point where it's survival mode. Mm -hmm. I need to find a way to do that without running 35 miles or doing an Ironman. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I need to find a way to find that mental clarity that doesn't involve so much physical stress. Right. But when you get down to survival mode, it is like a clarifying experience. It is. It is. you don't you're not thinking about what you're going to yeah. eat you're not thinking about what you look like or like that conversation you have with someone or whatever you saw on social media oh, like it's absolutely. gone you're just like survival mode yeah um so i think that's part of the draw for endurance sports but i do think for my mental health i need to find that in other ways <laughs> besides doing some extreme event every single time hmm. you, you said you're an endurance junkie i mean mm -hmm. that's why i think that's it i think as well like the short fast stuff is super painful and it just doesn't suit me so um and there's i think there's studies out there they're starting to study like in terms of like female athletes versus male athletes and what actually suits uh mm. that the body and the and what our strengths and weaknesses are all of the sports that we modern sports that we know are created by men for men and so they right. do uh they do favor men but if you get into the ultra, ultra endurance events, which I'm not doing, but like those five days across the desert events, the women are there, if not faster than the men. Mm. Um, the There's a bike race called Ride Across America, and a woman won it this year by a lot. Okay. So like as women, we have some, we have endurance. <laughs> there's something that, yeah. that keeps us going that plays to our physical strengths to get way out there and still be able to keep That's going. Cool. Whereas men have that like power mm. sprint. Grr, we just something smash our heads and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And us women are just, we're still yeah. going, you know, <laughs> you know, pushing the baby out, taking care of the kids sure. long term, you know, sure. Maybe there's something there. I mean, yeah. it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, sure. Um, I'm not really going to touch that any more than that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting to think about, you know, it is. what our strengths and weaknesses are um i think there's you know we all have pros and cons or i don't want to put labels on what's good and bad but strengths and weaknesses sure. basically i can see that interesting um so you just your experience so far in life is just the uh endurance based things is there any other area that you you kind of gravitate towards fitness wise sure spiritual wise fitness wise um i mean fitness wise i really enjoyed um doing the ultra marathon because it was mostly like off-road in nature and so yeah. it feels more organic like i'm sure we all get that feeling i used to get the feeling when you have like a fire and you look into that fire pit yeah. right and yeah, you right. just feel i don't know i feel like ancestors yeah, generations oh, for sure. you know and you're sitting there with your dog and i look at my dog and i'm like he used to be a wolf who yeah. came up to the fire and look at you yep. now. You know, this just, could have been 8,000 years ago. I know, right? Like yeah. you just, it's, it feels like that. And so yeah. when you're like moving yourself through the, the landscape like that, I feel very drawn to that. So I think I will, I would like to find more experiences like that. Um, I think I'm going to do more or try and get into doing some gravel riding. So um, mm. there's a lot of, there seems to be a trend in triathlon. A lot of us are, 
getting more scared of the roads, a lot of people are getting hit and killed out there. And so gravel riding has has come up. It's, it's basically like it looks like a, a road bike, but it has a bigger clearance, bigger tires, mm. so you can ride over dirt and gravel. And I mean, in these parts, we still have a lot of unpaved roads. So there's, yeah, there's there's one in the Low Country. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of the Hellhole Gravel mm-hmm. Grind. I've seen yeah. that one. Yeah, um, that's where I grew up. There you go. The middle of nowhere. Yeah, and like Saluda has got like yeah. Saluda Roubaix and stuff like that. Um, and so it's a good opportunity to like again be out in the landscape. That's cool. And not usually not usually having cars, and it's a different style of riding. What I have figured out in like the few months that I've done gravel riding where I live is like. Some, I think some of the roads around here remain unpaved because the grade is so steep they couldn't pave it because there's something about gravel roads being crazy steep. Yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, yeah. oh my God, you would never get this on the road. This is a very steep hill. Right. I've run on a few that you question like, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Hmm. And um, I mean, otherwise I'm just still leaning into trying connecting with the land. So yeah. I, you know. Me and my husband grow food. Uh, we have chickens, and uh, I've gotten more into like learning about herbs and things that we would call weeds around us. Things that people don't like: dandelions, mm. pokeweed, okay, uh, maypop, and their medicinal values. And so, um, I've done herbal co- courses online, and I'm mm. seeking herbal teachers locally. I'm trying to really learn about the Sand Hills region. There's not a lot of stuff out there, or I haven't found it yet. That's that's relative to this part of the South because mm. it's very different from the coastal plains. We have right. Gullah Geechee cult- culture down there, yep. and then the Appalachian culture, which is like Cherokee and yeah. Scots Irish and stuff. And then there's this Sandhills bit that's kind of just trying to learn about it's there. It. Mm-hmm. It's the ancient beachfront, I guess. Yeah. Um. Well, why is that? What What makes you interested in? What makes you interested in that in the first place? I mean, you mentioned medicinal value. I mean. So it's really, I think it does go back to relationship with land. So we've talked about like Tyree is a special place for me. Scotland's a special place. When I, you know, I grew up both in Scotland and here in South Carolina. And when I am in Scotland and all the times I'm there, I feel like a vibrational shift. Like my feet on that land feels Mm. right. It feels like old and ancient and there's a love within me for that landscape and i feel it within the population there as well that there's a love for it right right right. and so when we would come over here to south carolina in my young mind i would i wouldn't like it because it all felt so new Mm. the reality is i mean south carolina is just as old as scotland is it's not newer right it's the fact that what we have here is settler colonialism Mm -hmm. and white culture Mm -hmm. and what we're taught is from white uh, settlement right. forward and so right. in your child's head you're like oh this country is only 300 years old well it is it the country is <laughs> yeah. but like we're completely discounting right. the native americans well, we're who disconnected from it we're exactly in, we're not connected at all I exactly mean. so um you know i in my trajectory of life it's it's turned out like in the 80s i lived in scotland and in the 90s at south carolina 2000s in scotland and then I joked that in 2020 it was time to move back to Scotland. I do it in like sure. 10 year chunks. Well, we're right. past that. And I'm <laughs> and I'm married and we have chickens and dogs. And so I can't just like pack up. I wish we could yeah. snap our fingers and transport the chickens, but we can't. Yeah. Um, and so I really in COVID when everything slowed down and you know, right. I was like on my property, I was like, I need, I want to create a relationship with this land. Right. This idea that it's new is not correct. And so I started like trying to identify the trees in my yard and, and, and all the stuff. And it just opened this world of, um, things you can eat. You know, we also have a disconnection with our food. We buy all of our food from the grocery store, but like, have you ever had hickory nut milk? Me? No. Right. So that seems interesting though. We have hickory nuts. And so I, you know, YouTubed, blah, 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 like all these nuts falling from the tree. Why can't we eat this? Well, you can eat it. And this is how you eat it. Right. And look at these berries. Are they safe or not? Or mushrooms. Like I get bullets out of my yard. We have, I do all that sort of stuff. It's neat. And then in terms of the medicinal value, I mean, I'm always trying to be healthy and self-care. Right. Um, being self-employed, both me and my husband, we do not have good health insurance. I do not want to go to the doctor. I have 
a distrust of the U.S. medical system for profit. And so yeah. there's things in your body where you're like, well, I'm not acutely sick, but like, I don't feel good today. Yeah. I want to get in front of that. Right. And our, our medical system doesn't really help us with that so much. It's, it's, it's reactionary. It yeah, is. It's, it's reactionary. It's, uh, emergent yeah, yeah it's like you have a headache you take aspirin but like there's right. other ways you can and by the way aspirin comes from willow it's just an extraction huh of salix yeah wow that's fascinating <laughs> so, uh, and most of our medicines our modern medicines are extractions from plants and so why not go to the source sure and be like grow that's this incredible. beautiful lemon balm that's like mood lifting and also incredibly safe like you're not going to overdose on lemon balm right it's natural Whereas, like sure. you could like cause yourself ulcers if you're taking ibuprofen all the time well, you absolutely will right you know mm. so um really leaning into that and trying to connect with the people who would have been on the land before the colonists were. Mm -hmm. And so I've made inroads with Catawba Nation and I'm excited they're having their first event open to the public, which means open to non-Catawba citizens sure, sure. Um, since COVID uh, on November 19th. So I'm going to oh, go wow. with a friend who's interested in food sovereignty work and we're going to go to that and, very cool. and learn and try and, you know, get past this like colonial right. settler right. thing that we have going on right. around us and, and try and connect with what we can here locally. That's awesome. Um, there's a lot of wisdom there that we just kind of overlook. I mean, we spend like, you know, what? not even a week in school, like from elementary to high school, like studying that stuff. Yeah. They were here thousands of years before we were. Absolutely. And, and so much wisdom. It is crazy when you really start looking into it and it's painful. I mean, the settlers came here and called it Terra Nullis, mm -hmm. like basically like untouched land, which is what so about, insulting. What about these dudes? They've been here. Exactly. Yeah. And they called this continent the Garden of Eden. And it wasn't right. the Garden of Eden because nobody was here right. it was because these people stewarded intended this land yeah. and made it the garden of eden and white people be like nah no nah, we're, <laughs> we're gonna farm it and <laughs> yeah milk it dry mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow so how do you get how do you get there from from the the endurance stuff i mean is you feel like it's a natural like parallel mm, like i don't in a in a sense of um um, I definitely think there is a parallel in endurance sports just because you're spending so much time outside in landscape. And there's actually what I what I find interesting is at uh, at least in Ironman at both the Ironman uh, World Championships, which take pay, take place in Kona and Hawaii, and then at the 70.3 World Championships, which are in St. George, Utah. Both of those events, they call in the indigenous people. So the native Hawaiians mm. do like a send up a ceremony and a send off. And they actually did the same thing in St. George with, I believe someone from Dine, which we know is Navajo. So I think, and I think that's been a tradition with Kona uh, since it started. Mm. So I think the original Ironman organizers kind of had that in mind and that Ironman started in 1979. And so, because it was like, five people who did it so they were just like in the ocean and on the bike and on the run that there yeah. is that sort of like connection to land and respect for it especially because you're moving so much slower through the landscape in fact sometimes i think being on the bike is right. too fast but right. like when you're running like you're interacting with it and you well i you know i'd always had this i'd always had this vision of people that did like marathons ultra marathons is like just hardcore hauling ass through the woods and stuff and i had somebody tell me one time they're like nah man like i take pictures of all the flowers and mushrooms and I'm like what the hell mm -hmm. yeah and so but it's a different mindset than like a they're not all races are the same right right like a, a 5k 10k that's a fat like you were saying it's a fast thing versus a 50 plus they're not running that same pace the whole time. It's no. very different. Oh, yeah. There is a Sometimes they stop and eat and take naps. Oh, yeah. There, <laughs> there is a misconception. Like, my mom had that misconception about, like, in Tyree in particular. She was like, I'm so worried people are going to slip on the rocks. And I was like, look, we're, we're not running slip. the whole time. So, yeah. like, yeah, right. I did not run the whole time. Right. In Tyree, I think my pace was, like, 12 and a half minute miles. So, like, it was run walk. Let's be clear. That's pretty fast. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's slow either. <laughs> it's not like, like, well, to give perspective, if I was going to run on the road, I'd probably for a marathon, I'd want to be closer to nine minute miles. So like it's 
it's a run walk. I can do a run walk for 12 and a half minute miles. Um, but I will say that those first endurance events were certainly taken by people mm. who did have that relationship with land mm -hmm. because they are spending so much time out there by themselves doing these things because nobody else was doing them. Right. Now with the increase in human potential and also in the technology in triathlon at least, it can be more like a 5K or a 10K where people mm -hmm. are just blowing by. Right. And that's where I think that we were talking about certain athletes who do it for ego, right. where they just want to what it do the Ironman and get the tattoo. Mm -hmm. And it's not so connected to the land. And I am struggling a little bit with um, whether I do as many Ironman, Ironman events next year because I feel that ego and that consumerism mm -hmm. in the sport a little bit too much i mean yeah. the iron man brand and its events is expensive i mean those yeah. race entries are between three hundred dollars and a thousand dollars to do right. one of those races and so it it is it does bring that consumerism into it that i don't like whereas the tyree ultra marathon or even other ultra marathon events draw a different type of people a little bit more gritty they don't spend you know, thousands of dollars on a pair of running shoes. Um, but as ultra marathoning gets more popular, that will creep it, into yeah, it as well. It does with everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the, yeah. Hmm. Man, could you imagine being like one of the first, like only 10 of you out there? Yeah. It'd be crazy. I know. And like, I hope we know what we're doing because you might die. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you might literally get washed out of the ocean. I know. I mean, there's, and I'm thinking like, you know, what's the next thing like that? Um, swim run has gotten popular in the past few years which is um you know swim swim across a lake run across an island swim across the ocean run across an island and that attracts mm. me as well i'd like that's to cool. do something like that yeah that's interesting so you don't do it for the you don't do it to claim the prize i mean i'm not gonna lie it's nice to be on the podium but i'm also not um the fastest woman out there sure and so I have to find enjoyment in it in some other way. So it's not a comparative because comparison will thief is a thief of joy, yeah, right? Absolutely. So there's always someone who's better than you. Right. And for some reason, you know, when for some reason, you know, if you come in third, you only see the two women in front of you and not the 300 other <laughs> women behind you. Like right. your point of view gets really skewed. And so I have to mm. find other things that make it enjoyable. And so it is that time out on the land. Uh, last year at St. George, after that hurricane thing blew through, um, I was trying to get my wits about me and, and trying to get back into rhythm on the bike because that was pure survival mode at that point. And I started to smell what smelled like mugwort, which was a herb that I was learning about. I saved some from the side of the road in my neighborhood and I'd been burning it um, the weeks prior. It's a uh, it's good for lucid dreaming. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so I was right. So I'm on my bike and I'm smelling mugwort and I'm just like, what is it? Like, I took it as like, it's a spiritual experience, yeah. right? Yeah, really. I'm just like, the land is talking to me. It's sending me on my way. That's cool. And then afterwards I, we, I looked it up and it was like white sage, which is in the Artemisia family. So it's huh. a relative of mugwort. But I was like that, that's a sign that I need right now to kind of get my head about me and stick with it and keep going. So. It's very cool. That's a good story. Um, wow. So, uh, anything that you want to part ways with here? Um, any lessons? Uh, ultra marathoners, marathoners don't run the whole thing. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't do, we just pulled the just pulled the veil off of that. Yeah. One. Oh, I mean, some of them do. Like you know, I took yeah, me, it took me seven hours and seven minutes to do the thirty four slash thirty five miles. Yeah. The winners did it in like four hours and fourteen minutes, right. which is like right. yeah, they they ran the whole thing, which yeah. is insane. There's so, always people that finish the Boston Marathon in like two and a half hours or something. <laughs> I'm like yeah, more whatever. power too. But yeah. the the rest of us regular people, you don't run the whole thing. <laughs> Uh, you can do it like people are like i can never do what you do you absolutely can it literally just takes like the consistency and it's taken me 10 years mm -hmm. to get up to doing this this sort of distance um i guess i kind of have the fear of like if i stop i won't be able to do it again and i need to get over that <laughs> because there's always different seasons in life and i'm struggling with you know we spoke a lot about what i'm doing on a planning commission yeah, and yeah. that is uh it is mentally and emotionally wearing and so mm -hmm. i don't have the capacity to train the way i could when i didn't have that on my plate and so 
you know, different seasons of life. Interesting. Do I need to back off and and do it's to make it work for me? Do you, certainly. Do you feel like you can back off of that? Um, I'm going to have a chat with my coach. I think that's what's great about having a coach, right? right? I think if you're just trying to hold yourself accountable, you can get way too much into that perfectionism of like, yeah. these are all my workouts I have to do and I didn't do it and therefore I'm going to fail. And yeah, that's not the yeah. truth. Right. It has, again, it's that consistency right. of doing something every day. Um, you mm -hmm. have to give yourself grace. I say this to myself cause I, I need to do it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle. Um, but yeah, I think having again, I'm gonna I'll be having a conversation with my coach about yeah. what does next year look like. The, this is what's on my plate and right. and I'm drawn to gravel. So can we do more gravel? And yeah, I don't want to do an Ironman next year, so let's not do that. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Take it off the table. Yeah, it's just the Ironman is I love the distance. If I could just show up and do an Ironman, I would do it. But you have to train a lot. So there's like, you know, your weekends are five to eight hours of training on a weekend a and i just struggled and right. wasn't able to do it this year i was right. like my i'm just and it wasn't even a physical capacity it was the mental capacity yeah. of getting on the road and Can understanding imagine. that someone's gonna tell you they're gonna kill you you mm -hmm. know like that's mm -hmm. exhausting as well yeah. so hmm. well i wish you well thank you i hope you get it figured out yeah i think you will and definitely it's just you know changing and you know again, as humans, we're changing <clears throat> all the time. Mm -hmm. So our interests change. And I think China, mm -hmm. I think we also have to be aware of like not getting too attached to an identity, right? Like, yeah, I do triathlon, but I'm also a business owner and right. I'm very, right. very passionate about trying to make change in my local community. Yeah. Um, but if I'm tied to like Fiona, the triathlete and I get injured or yeah, that's I just devastating at that point. I, yeah, I just can't do what I used to do. Yeah. Then it it causes you a lot of pain that's not necessary. You know, like you're a human, we're multifaceted, but it's easy. That's for, great advice. It's easy for people to um, put us in a box, and it's too easy for us to accept that box. So, yeah, I just I'm big about like trying not to get too attached to an identity because it's it's always going to change beyond the identity of I am Fiona Martin. That's it. <laughs> And I have way, I, I'm not going to say I have way too many interests. I have a ton of interests. So, right. right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You can't be so shallow just to be identified as one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's what a lot of younger folks do. Like in the, in the, the industry that we work in, you know, or, or in our day jobs, I think you wind up getting identified or you want to be identified by the work you put out and then you mm -hmm. live your life by that. And then like you live and die by how, you know, great your projects are or whatever and it's just a there's so little control you have over yeah, like your projects as well it's such a road to burnout too and yeah you see people getting burned out i think it's tough as well because there is this like personal branding aspect of modern culture mm -hmm. you know people who do make money from just being online which is a very yeah. tiny tiny group of people right but there is this like <laughs> you know just like when you're in school and you think you're going to be that professional basketball player like right. that's a very tiny group of people who can do that is so equally yeah. a very tiny group of people who can be making money off of instagram and youtube well that's but like the, it is seen as like i'm gonna be i'm gonna sell merch on right. youtube yeah you know good luck <sighs> yeah. you're not gonna do it no <laughs> it's like one percent of yeah. yeah wow that's some great advice to part with i like that um yeah i need to listen to that too myself that's good stuff <laughs> well thanks for talking yeah um you my friend are a warrior I will tell you that much. <laughs> and I, I'm a fan and I, I watch most of the stuff you do on Facebook. So keep posting it. Yeah, we all have something. I think I have female warrior energy, which is a little bit do. different from male warrior energy, but not any better or worse. Yeah, I dig it. I dig <laughs> it. You for sure are. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you.